Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Keep listening for a special Trek Geeks discount code when you adopt a new Tribble at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. From the Podfleet Judge Advocate General's office, passing judgment and sentence on Star Trek episodes far and wide, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings one and all. Welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and it is so great to be here with you. Um, Anytime we get to have one of these episodes, it always brings a smile to my face and a song to my heart. Um... I'm not about to sing it because Spotify will assess us royalties, but uh, if I were, it would talk a lot about my illustrious co-host. Um, some might describe him as a, as a crooner-style singer. Uh, others might uh, describe him as a, uh, a master voice impressionist. I describe him as the warm body I found for the other chair. He is the uh, largely replaceable Dan Davidson. Dan... Welcome aboard, buddy. Looking forward to some see it or skip it. Star Trek Jagcore. That sounded pretty cool, man. I appreciate that. That was good. Hi. Hi. I'm ready for this. Start. Well, see, see it or skip it. Voyager season tray or three. Tray? Tray? Trois? Trace? Trace? Yeah. I think it's Trey in some language. Your planet, welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great to be here, man, as always. Um, good to be here with you, talking Star Trek every week like we always do. And this week's one of those special weeks. It's become a fan favorite, and I got to say, it's become a podcast host favorite, too, I think. It's become a Dan favorite. <laughs> what isn't a Dan favorite, right? Um, me. <laughs> But, Dan, that. you know who is a Dan favorite? That is our special guest referee for this week's See It or Skip It. Somebody who um, who we just we love to follow on social media, and she's become a great friend. She is a great friend. She is the definition uh, of Star Trek positivity. Uh, 24-year-old Trekkie on Twitter. Her name is Allie Martinez. She is the ambassador to what Star Trek is all about. And we are so thrilled and honor, honored not only to have her here 
on this podcast to uh, be the said referee between you and I as we go mono imano fisticuffs for whether we see it or skip it. But she's also part of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network family, which is also kind of pretty cool. Oh, absolutely, it is. It's great for her to to be on the show. It's uh, it's been far uh, far too long since you know we. Uh, what I'm trying to say is we should have invited her a long time ago, and we we didn't. Or has it been fark too long? <laughs> this is the type of night it's going to be. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you. Sorry. With with every fiber of my being. <laughs> and then I would add Metamucil for more fiber with which to hate you. So while I'm looking for that, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with us and let they can let you know how much they hate you too. <laughs> if you want to tell if you want to tell me how much you hate me, please do. Uh, you can get in touch I with hate us you. By, <laughs> by heading over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will just find a multitude of ways to communicate said hatred. Let's see, there's Skype chat, there's email, there's even voicemail by way of that big blue button using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, make it so because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's called Camp Kittimer, and it is our official group, and it's where over 1,700 other friends gather to talk Trek. It's always positive, and we never allow bashing or gatekeeping of any kind. To join the group, head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. Also, Bill, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. That's my training from when I was a kid. I used to watch the American Express commercials all the time. And that fast guy, yeah, back to you. I I don't know what to do with that at all. Um, it's pretty good, wasn't it? I, I am continually <laughs> amazed that you can say that <laughs> without know. looking at anything and failing. It's probably the only thing on this podcast in five years that I've memorized. <laughs> Um, I think you memorized the phone number, didn't you? Yeah, it took me a long time, and I don't remember it now. I already forgot it. 508-784-1701. Thank you. Um, although I haven't used it either. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the elephant in the room. There's obviously mm. no news this week because it's a see it or skip it. Yeah. Um, but this week there was huge news um, and kind of news that we all knew was coming at some point. We just didn't necessarily know it would be this week Yeah. in that there will be another live action Star Trek series mm-hmm. featuring Captain Christopher Pike is played by Anson Mount and number one is played by Rebecca Romaine and of course Spock is played by Ethan Peck and people are going to want to know what we think about it Dan yeah well you know what we're not going to tell you here <laughs> that's right we're plugging our other show we haven't sat down on discovering Trek since January my man and that's my fault a whole season of Picard has come and gone since the last time we actually sat down and recorded discovering yeah. Trek so I'll tell you what you want to hear what we think about the new show which we're not even going to name right now you're going to have to go over to discovering Trek just to hear the name of it we're recording discovering Trek as soon as we're done recording this so there's going to be new DT out there on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, so head on over there to uh, find out what we think about said new show. <laughs> wow, you got all high and mighty now that <laughs> I'm talking about your show. It's like, ha <laughs> No, it's our show. It, no, you know what? It's the fans' show. Oh, look at you. Yep. How many of those have you had? Not even through a quarter of one yet. So how many did you have before? Seven. <laughs> <laughs>
Dan, as always, we want to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor here on Trek Geeks. As the summer season is fast approaching, you better believe that Fansets has some hot new pins coming your way. Really? Okay, dude, that is the worst pun you have ever come up with. You actually came up with that. It's actually pathetic, (laughs) and it would be even more pathetic if it were not true. Yeah, I did write it. It's all right. But you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Fansets is hard at work to bring all their customers the very best and high-quality pins from all kinds of genres. Available right now, you can get Emperor Giorgio and Lieutenant Spock from Discovery and glitterized Star Trek Women of Trek Voyager 25 Picard Micro Crew, those are all coming your way in the coming months. And hey, in addition to Star Trek, there are some big plans in the works for DC, like, hey, John Stewart's Green Lantern and Starman, as well as four new DC bombshell badges, six new Wonder Woman 84 pins, Batman 66 pins, two new Irwin Allen pins from the Time Tunnel, and finally, Bill, have you ever wanted to get your podcast partner a fansets gift but just wasn't sure what to get? Well, now you can purchase Fansets gift cards directly from their website. Wow, I would get those for me before I get them for you. Um, but that's just me. But I mean, you know, that is incredibly awesome because I bet they're going to sell a lot of gift certificates. Now, gift cards are delivered by email and contain instructions to redeem them at checkout. Fansets gift cards have no additional processing fees. And here's the best news. They never expire. So do yourself a favor, head on over to fansets.com, put a bunch of pins and accessories or even gift cards into your cart. If you spend more than $30, of course, you're going to get free shipping as always. But as an added bonus at checkout, just for listening to us two nerds, enter the very special Trek Geeks discount code SCORPION. That's S-C-O-R-P-I-O-N in all capital letters for 15% off your entire order. Now, this bonus code will be available to use until Wednesday, May 27th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends for Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. So here we are, Bill. Season three, Voyager. See it or skip it. Ip it, ip it, ip it. Exactly. Thank you for doing that for me. You're welcome. And, and, you know, we have a special guest to be the referee, as we always do on Caesar's We do. Secret. We do. I got to say, in all honesty, probably the perfect example of an ambassador to Trek. She is, without a doubt, one of the most joyful and wonderful people we have ever met in this entire journey that we've been on. You know her on Twitter as 24-year-old Trekkie. And I got to say, she has the best cosplay of number one from the cage in the entire universe she is ali martinez and she joins us right now for season three hi ali hi thank you so much for having me i'm just like so overwhelmed by all that praise i'm gonna start crying (laughs) it's amazing when you started talking about somebody who was so positive i thought you were talking about me Um, yeah that's funny and no i mean i'm serious because i mean no you are because i'm here i'm i'm awesome and uh, i just i don't excel at talking about myself very much but, uh, but no, Allie, we are excited to have you here. I mean, we heard your voice last week in a voicemail, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. you have decided to start listening to our back catalog. So first, we want to offer our sincere condolences. Yes, and apologies. And apologies. Um, if you need us to set you up with some therapy, we can probably do that, but you are taking on a task which we can't in any good conscience recommend. 
I'm I'm happy to take on that task, honestly. <laughs> and it's funny because the episode I listened to of you guys recently, you were talking about Voyager, and now we're talking about Voyager now. So what? Wow, time travel. Barkism. There will be a Barkism <laughs> test later, so keep that in mind. Ooh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, don't do that to her. We like her. All right, all right. <laughs> Save that for somebody you don't like, like okay, you. Me. There yeah, you go. Me. So, Phil, um, why don't you tell us what we're going to do here on season three of Cedar Skip? Oh, thanks, Dan. I was just about to get to that before oh, okay. you interrupted the host. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, the people who have listened to the show before know how this goes. Those of you who haven't, what Dan and I do is we take a season of Star Trek, and then we go through it episode by episode and decide whether we would see it or skip it. Spoiler alert, we always want to watch it all. I mean, this is really just a fun exercise to talk about which episodes are fantastic and which episodes we may not watch as often. But, you know, in the shorthand, it's Star Trek. It's on. We love it. We're going to watch it. Allie is going to referee this particular uh, edition of See It or Skip It. Uh, she will go through episode by episode and tell uh, tell us which one of us get to open our mouths and, and speak. And then she's going to uh, essentially try to keep us from killing each other. Isn't that right, Allie? I'm going to do my best. I, no promises here, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> it's an uphill task, I assure you. So uh, with that, we will let you start off with Season 3, Episode 1. All right. Awesome. So we'll start with the premiere of Season 3, and we have Basics Part 2. And with this episode, the Kazan Nistrum have taken control of Voyager, and the crew must return to Basics in order to survive on a harsh world inhabited by alien natives and vicious predators. Also, meanwhile, Suter and the Doctor assists Paris' attempts to retake Voyager. So I'll start out with Bill. What do you think about this episode? Oh, well, thank you very much. I, uh, I like going first. This is fantastic. I would say this is a see it. I mean, as much as the Kazon aren't great as an adversary, you kind of have to see this one to resolve the cliffhanger from last season. Plus, you have Suter working to save the ship. And how often do you get to let a murderer do that in Star Trek, Dan? <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things <laughs> that I was going to give a seat is, is Black Eyed Suter because he's, he's, he's crazy. He's cray cray. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I also gave this a seat. Um, first of all, it's the um, wrap up to the cliffhanger from last season. Um, we get monsters and caves eating people and stuff, which is good. Oh. And plus, Seska finally dies. So win-win. <laughs> so yeah, this is a see it for me too. Although I do have to say I grew to love Seska uh, in my rewatch. She's Martha Hackett does such a great job. But uh, yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allie, what do you think? I also gave it a see it uh, along with the, both echoing what you guys said about you want to figure out what happens after the the part one. But also I, I love kind of the callbacks to – they're helping out the the native civilization and at first they're they're having trouble with you know they can't communicate very well and then we get oh well we save we help save one of your people and and now it's all happy go lucky and that's it's echoes that star trek sentiment i love so much so it absolutely does i think that's really the thing that makes the the whole episode work i mean you have the darkness of suter balanced by the the very star trekiness for want of a better adjective of uh, of the rest of this of the uh, the episode so i think it's fantastic the other camp thing oh yeah the other ahead, thing Dan. that i would say before you get into camp kidmore bill is is people who've listened to the show know how much i love the kazon oh yeah which is huge sarcasm and this is pretty much the last time we ever have to deal with them so that's a definite another reason to see it is it like the last time we'll ever have to deal with you no it'll never happen uh i don't know if that's good or not anyway camp <laughs> kidmore agrees with us for the most part. We all three said see it. They said see it to the tune of 95%. Ooh. Yeah, that's actually pretty high praise. Wow. Um, 
we we have some very interesting results from Camp Kittimer um, this this uh, particular season, including a tie for a bottom score and a three way tie for the top score, which we'll get into in a little bit, Allie. Oh wow, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> but let's let's keep it going and move into episode two, which is flashback. And in this episode, Tuvok begins to suffer a mental breakdown triggered by a suppressed memory, and a mind meld with Janeway takes him back to his tour of duty with Captain Sulu aboard the USS Excelsior. So, Dan, why don't you start it off? Uh, This is a see it, 100%. I love this episode, and one of the reasons I love it so much is just the very beginning when they do the reenactment of the beginning of Star Trek VI, almost exactly as in the movie. I mean, if you watch it side by side, the differences are so minuscule, it's hard to pick them out. Um, The whole idea of Janeway interacting with Sulu and stuff is a little far-fetched, but I get it with the whole mind meld stuff. It's just so wonderful to see George Takei and Michael Ansara and Grace Lee Whitney again in this episode of Voyager. I love this. I love this episode. Definitely see it, Bill. I love Michael Ansara and who mourns for Adonai. Um, <laughs> that's an inside joke with Dan. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, no, let's talk about it. <laughs> he met Michael Forrest at STLV a few years ago. And um, go, what was the, exactly what you said, Dan? I don't even remember, but I was talking about something and I was talking in the third person, talking about how great it would be to be standing here talking with, with Michael Ansara. And for whatever reason, I said Ansara instead of Forrest. And everybody was looking at me funny. And then I realized what I said. And I literally wanted to crawl under the carpet and just die. And wasn't <laughs> Michael Ansara deceased by that point? Oh, yeah. For you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just check it. Way to go, buddy. Uh, this Thanks. one for me, flashback, also a see it. I mean, this episode is complete fan service. I think this was the 30th anniversary episode for Voyager. I think this was 96 at this point. Uh, I could be off on that, but that seems to stick in the back of my mind. But it is completely plausible, and I actually love the way it's executed. Plus, I mean, it is so great to see George Takei in the Monster Maroon again. Um, I don't think you really go wrong with this episode, Allie. Yeah, you guys took the words right out of my mouth. I was literally about to say Monster Maroons, <laughs> and Bill already took care of it. But also getting to see Janice Rand again. She's actually yeah. one of my favorite TOS characters that I wish we would have seen so much more from. And now we're getting just this little glimpse, and I'm just like, oh, just give me more. Just give me more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's You're going to need a beehive wig to do Janice Rand in yes. a future con. I think, that's, I think you got to put that on your list. Yes, actually, I tried doing a, a little like mold for it. I have a little like glass, this big, huge like punch <laughs> thing that I tried. I put a, a, a pillowcase over it and I was like, okay, now I got to like get some sewing in here and try to make this. That's awesome. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Camp Kittimer also thinks this episode is awesome. 91% of respondents said you got to see this episode and I for one agree. There we are. I'm surprised that it's as low as 91%, to be honest with you. I'm wondering what that other 9% said. Well, we don't have the verbatims, but plot-wise, it's not the greatest plot. Yeah, that's what I had mentioned, Um, the whole mind melt thing. Yeah, but it's fun. It is fun. Um, Even the Klingon stuff is fun, and that makes me happy. There you go. (laughs) Well, with that, let's move on to episode three, which is The Shoot. And in this episode, Harry Kim and Tom Paris are found guilty and detained in a prison where a neural implant gradually drives the inmates mad. So what do you think, Bill? I think I would love to see Dan have that mental implant, but that's just me. I already have it. Oh, so you were talking about the episode. I'm so sorry. Um, 
I, I, I think this is a definite see it. Here we are three for three to start the season. I think that's a great way to get going. I love how we get to see the bond between Paris and Kim grow right before our eyes in this episode. Um, they were friends before, but I really think that this episode pushes their friendship to a new level. Plus, it is a fantastic job by both actors in this episode, both Garrett Wong and Robbie Duncan McNeil. And the script is actually pretty great to start with. It's a great sci-fi story, Dan. And I think that's why it's, it's for me, it's absolutely a see it. Yeah, you basically said the same things that I was going to say. It's definitely a see it. What's really great, though, is the bomb at the beginning killed mm. 47 people. 47. <laughs> Who would have thought? What a number. That never Not comes me. up in Star Trek. Um, seriously, though, it's a great episode, like you said. It shows that close friendship and the and the relationship between Harry and Tom. Uh, and it's a great example of the character development for both of them, Allie. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat with you guys. It's funny, I'm I'm really on your wavelength today. We'll see once we start arguing about the episodes. <laughs> but there's this there's this line in the episode that I it's at the very, very end where Harry is all upset because he's like, I would have killed you. Like I was ready to kill you. And then um Tom's like, No, you're the person who said, like, this this is my friend and nobody touches him. And they, they just walk away, and I just think that's so poignant in the end. Uh, and, I mean, we get to see that relationship develop over time, and it, it just really, like, the, the two of them are quite quite the bunch. They really are, and I think that that episode teaches Tom Paris a lot. You know, I don't think – I think before he was pretty much the loner, and although slowly he's grown to become really good friends with Harry Kim, I really think that that sort of pushes him and says, whoa, these, this is my people. I think this is a real turning point for Paris. And it took me a while to see that. So uh, Camp Kittimer uh, says only about 66% of people think this is a wow. skip it. So two thirds. Um, very interesting. Um, I would have thought it would have been higher than that, honestly. Yeah, me too. So uh, I guess we, we take from that what we will. Uh, Camp Kittimer often has, uh, you know, some votes that differ from us uh, wickedly. Um, there are some that aren't going to, though. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's move on to episode four, which is the swarm. And in this episode, Voyager encounters a swarm of ships taking a shortcut through space controlled by a hostile species. And the doctor starts experiencing memory loss. So what do you think, Dan? I actually gave this one a see it. It was one that I had to think about for a little bit. Um, I like the episode, but I actually think I like the B story about the doctor better than the A story. We get to see that memory loss in the episode. And if memory serves, I believe this is the first time we actually see the holographic representation of Louis Zimmerman, the guy who created the doctor. So I think that's kind of a cool part of the episode. Um, regarding the swarm itself, not a lot to say about the story. I think the special effects showing the thousands of them um, chasing Voyager is great and kind of made me think they were being chased by a horde of cockroaches, Bill. So, yeah, there you go. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, I actually rated this episode a skip it. Um, bum, bum, ba, boom. Boom. It's the first time we differ this season. Mm -hmm. um, this episode just doesn't really do anything for me. Really, any episode where we have the doctor singing opera, I am pretty much going to check out of it. Um Ooh. Yeah, it's You're just, not going to like season seven, dude. Oh, believe me, I've seen season seven, remember? Um, this really is the first domino for me in, in the first of what becomes the Doctor and Seven of Nine show, even though Seven's not on the show yet. Mm -hmm. um, because we start doing these deep explorations of these really sort of ethereal things the Doctor um, decides to take an interest in. So I get it. It's decent character development overall. It's just not for me. Interesting. I said skip it as well. 
So I'm I'm finally not we're we're breaking up a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, we're broken up all right. Oh no. <laughs> one In your thing face, that, Davidson. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that really bugs me is the the whole time when we first are introduced to this this hostile species, Neelix says, you know, no one knows anything about them and no, we just heard that they don't like people in their space and then at the end of the episode, we know nothing more about them. Literally nothing more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> oh. it's, it's, I feel like the script could have gone through many more revisions before they shot it. Um, because I, it, the B story isn't enough to carry this episode. And unfortunately, the A story just isn't there for me. Camp Kittimer actually rates this one a little higher than the last one. They say 76% of respondents would see the swarm. Um, Yay for them. Three out of four, I guess. Um, and sometimes you can't explain these things, Allie. I, I don't know. I, I'll i just leave it up to Camp Kittimer. I can't. <laughs> they, they got their own ideas. That's okay. They do. They do. It's <laughs> awesome, too. That's okay. All right. Let's move on to episode five, which is False Prophets. And in this episode, the crew encounters uh, the endpoint of the Barzan wormhole from TNG's The Price. And the two Ferengi presumed lost are posing as gods on a nearby planet. All right, Dan, what do you think? I love this episode. I really do, which is interesting because I was not a huge Ferengi fan until Deep Space Nine, really. Um, I love how this episode is kind of a continuation from the price, which I did not give a see it. I gave that a definite skip it. I did not like it at all. Um, it shows the greedy Ferengi nature to a to a perfect uh, perfectly um i think it's a good story and i really enjoyed seeing neelix as the grand nagus i thought that really worked so i gave it a see it well here we are dan <laughs> you know whenever you see it or skip it there's a moment where Uh-oh. i pause and i reflect on an episode by simply saying this skip it meh <laughs> this episode for me just is is terrible um, I have a hard time watching it. I don't care about these two Ferengi. I didn't care about them in the price. Yeah. I sure as hell don't care about them now. I don't think it's a great story. For me, this was just a way to get Ethan Phillips back in Ferengi makeup since he's played a Ferengi before. Mm. Um, there's really not a whole lot here for me. How about you, Allie? Uh, I also, I'm sorry, Dan. I gave it a skip <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, one thing that, that really, oh, oh no, <laughs> I've made it mad now. <laughs> uh. Uh, but one thing that's, that's hard for me is that we got such a, I don't want to say a Ferengi redemption arc in Deep Space Nine, but we really got to see more, uh, in depth in Deep Space Nine. And I feel like now in False Prophets, it's just like a, a callback to how nasty they were in TNG. And yeah, that's, a good, that's a very good point. I will I, say that. But what I liked about it was you got to see just how, awful they were they they're pretending to be gods to these to the people on this planet just for profit and it's just like wow this is really the to the extremes that they will go to and that's one of the things that i found interesting about it well camp kittimer uh found it interesting uh we're back to 66 percent of respondents two out of three say they would watch this episode mm-hmm. uh, apparently more love for the ferengi than ali and i apparently have apparently. so um yeah i guess uh I guess we're just going to have to to be okay with it, Allie. I, I guess. I, guess uh, I so. mean, I, I love the Ferengi, and I, I I'm glad we got them that little eps, like that little look into more of the the culture in Deep Space Nine. But I don't know if I'm feeling the Voyager Ferengi. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> but with that, let's move on to Episode Six, which is Remember. 
And in this episode, Bellana Torres receives vivid dreams from an unknown passenger, a boy or a board voyager. So what do you think, Bill? Well, you know, it's rare that this ever happens back to back. In fact, I don't think it's ever happened in see it or skip it history. I think this is a momentous occasion, Dan and Allie, because I give, remember, skip it, meh. Um, This is like two dogs in a row for me. Um, I just, I don't think there's really anything great about this episode. I couldn't care less about Bellana's vivid dreams. I couldn't care less about the unknown passenger. I'm just hoping to get to another episode. Damn. Wow. Okay. Well, you have two episodes of Matt in a row, and that's amazing because you do have a Matt episode at least once a season. At least. For me, here we go. One episode at least a season. I have no recollection of the episode <laughs> whatsoever. And congratulations to this episode because that's the that's this episode. Yeah, remember, because I don't remember it. So I had to give it a skip it. So boom. Allie? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Here she goes. Here we go. Yes. I gave it a see it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I uh it's funny. I don't know why I was making this like parallel, but um for some reason, this episode gives me like the the vibes of I can't think of what the TNG episode is called now, but uh, where uh, the diplomat comes on board and Deanna doesn't fall in love with him really, and he like takes over her consciousness and makes her get really old. And oh, is that uh, Man of the People? Yes. No, it's the, is it Man of the People or is this is the it? dark uh, where she gets like she's like in that like glitter dress and yes, yes, yeah. That's that's uh, no, it's not Man of the People. I don't think it's uh, it's not dark something. I can't remember. I'll look it up. Bill's looking it up while you're talking. So keep talking, Alex. <laughs> uh, so for, I don't know why, but for some reason, I feel like these episodes are similar, even though their storylines aren't the same. Uh, well, yes, there is like the, um, the Inarans in this episode have like that telepathic power. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just really like Balana in this episode because it, she's so, being so char- characteristically Balana. When in the end, like when she figures out everything that's happened and uh, the story that the Inarns are trying to cover up and she just storms into the middle of this party and just mouths off to these people. And that's so her. <laughs> I, I think it's it's reminiscent of two different TNG episodes. Right, Man absolutely. of the People and Violations. Yep. Yep. Yes. Uh, because I think yes. it touches both. It's like a yep. meld of both of those episodes. I was thinking of Dark Page, but that's the episode with Loxana and the yeah. coma. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Good job, guys. Awesome. <laughs> Team Trek Geeks, go. <laughs> um, uh, Camp Kittimer, that's where I was at. Um, 40%, Ouch. a precipitous decline, say that uh, you should watch this episode as a see it. So, Allie, you're there at least with 40% of the people. Um, you got some folks on your side. It's better, so great than job. 0%. better than zero. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, let's move on to episode seven, which is Sacred Ground. And in this episode, Kess is injured when she accidentally commits sacrilege on an alien planet. In order to save her life, Janeway must go through a mysterious ritual that challenges her faith in science. What about this episode, Dan? What do you think? Kess could have used the we're from Starfleet, we don't lie aspect of this. So if you think about it, what happens? But uh, no, I gave this one a skip it. Uh, this episode is actually boring for me. Uh, I think Trek has gone to the, quote, aliens blaming their religion on something, end quote, well 
uh, too many times, and this is a good example of that for me. I don't find the Nachani to be very interesting, uh, and the episode is filled with a lot of boring dialogue, in my opinion. So it just it just didn't stick with me. So I gave it a skip it, Bill. Interesting. I gave this a see it, but just barely. Um, the only reason I like this one is because Janeway does what we hope a Starfleet captain would do. She takes the challenge on herself and in the process proves she's a total badass. And that's really why I dig this episode. And to me, it's the only reason to watch this particular one, Allie. I also said see it. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> but also, I'm in the same boat with Bill where... It's hear. just barely there. <laughs> it's just barely there. I, I think it's it's fascinating how they try to make that tie-in between faith and science and how Janeway, yeah. at the end, Janeway's perceptions are changed a little bit, or maybe they're not. We don't really know how she feels. But it it really does take a long way to get there. And the whole time you see Janeway setting up these these challenges for herself that she perceives this is what the ritual must be. And that's fascinating. But... I, it's not an A episode, but it's a C it. <laughs> That's fair. Camp Kittimer uh, rated this one. Uh, it, it's actually tied for the lowest rating of the season. There you go. Uh, it's season three of Voyager. 30% of respondents. That's it. Said that they would see sacred ground. There's one other episode that meets that particular rating. And um, we'll be getting to that one a little deeper in the playlist, if you will, Allie. Oh, I'm excited to see what that is. And if I agree, well, we'll see. (laughs) I'm sure whatever I had, you're going to disagree with it. So serves you right, you big jerk. (laughs) Sorry, Dan, I can't can't always read your mind. See, what happens is is I actually joined this recording a few minutes late. And I think what happened is Bill and Allie started, you know, hey, whatever Dan says, if we disagree, you vote with me and we'll be good. I think that's what happened. Dan Dan (laughs) would have to have a mind, you know, for that to happen, Allie. So... (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's likely not going to happen. Oh, Oh, dear. Well, before you guys rip each other, don't rip each other up too much. Oh, God. Allie's in the future. How could we compare notes? That's right. Oh, my God. I (laughs) forgot about that. Okay. (laughs) Well, speaking of time travel, uh, I'm, while I'm coming from the future, the next episode I'll introduce is from the past. And so this is Future's End, part one. And in this episode, after encountering a Federation time ship from the future, Voyager is sent back to the 20th century Earth. And so, Dan, what do you think about Future's End Part 1? I gave this one a see it. And, I, you know, I like how they did what they kind of did in Star Trek Four, where they made the crew show up in the time that the actual show was being filmed in. I thought that was great. This two-part has really grown on me during my rewatch. I love the time story from Braxton being marooned in 1967 and Starling stealing the tech from the ship and creating his company with it. There's a lot of good twists in this one, and it's got a pretty good mini cliffhanger for the for the end of this episode going into next week. Um, I'm I used to not really like Ed Begley in this role or really anything that he does, but uh, I think he's a great villain for this episode. So I gave it a see it, Bill. Um, I too give it a see it but there's a lot of caveats i just i don't love this two-parter mainly because i don't really dig trek in current or modern day stories to me they seem forced and slightly unoriginal that said for me this episode works despite its obvious grown worthy moments (laughs) dan you freakosaurus (laughs) and I am decidedly not a fan of ed begley jr as a villain because he is thoroughly unbelievable to me however I would say, see this episode, Allie. 
Uh, Dan, I am with you on this. So now you can take back everything you just said <laughs> before. <laughs> I mean, you both well, said see it, but... Well, yeah, but, yeah, but technically he had excuses. So I'm oh. with you, girl. <laughs> no, see, I, in the biz, we call that critique, Dan. There, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. yes. I, I said hey. see it, yeah. Uh, I, I think that there's this type of trek that... This type of story that it, we see so much in like TOS and TNG where it is so fascinating to get to see something that we're so used to seeing, you know, spaceships and space battles and different planets and first contact. And now we're, we're seeing something a little bit on the other side of like, well, let's, let's go back to our roots a little bit. And like TOS does that so well. And I feel like this is kind of trying to call back to that. Um, I mean, it's not like a, a, a jalopy around a planet or anything when we're talking Voyager <laughs> season two, but <laughs> um, considerably better than that. So yes, I give it a see it. Well, so you, if you recall last round, we had the lowest rating from Camp Kittimer. This episode sees the first of three occurrences of the highest rating of the season from Camp Kittimer. Future's End Part 1 gets a 100% See it, a unanimous wow. vote from Camp Kittimer. And by the way, there are two other episodes this season that will also be unanimous. Interesting. That's yeah. fantastic. That's, it's surpri- I, I like to see it. It's surprising it's on this one, though. That's I, really I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but uh, just wait is all okay. I have to say. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the, the second part of this two-parter, which is Features End Part 2. And in this episode, Janeway must prevent the destruction of the solar system by 20th century entrepreneur Henry Starling, who has acquired the time ship. And so, Bill, what do you think about the second part of this two-parter? I'm going to say see it to this one, too. I think you kind of have to let this play out and see the conclusion. Overall, it's okay. It's not Voyager's best two-parter by a long shot, uh, because there are better ones coming um, in future seasons. But I think it's, it's definitely decent enough, Dan. Yeah, I, I actually gave this one a see it also. I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Starling's ego and inability to realize that he could make a mistake is is really eerily reminiscent of people that we're dealing with here in the USA these days. But that's a conversation for a different podcast. Um, it's a great wrap up to the story. We get to see the doctor's hollow emitter, which is a good excuse for him to be able to go anywhere yep. but sick bay. Um, and the whole Braxton appearing again from the non-destroyed solar system future to return Voyager back to where it all started is kind of cool, but damn that temporal prime directive. They couldn't, he couldn't just bring him back to earth and then the series would have been over, but oh, well it's still to see it. And I liked it. Allie. Yes. I, I also said, see it. Uh, if not for just the reason, if, if you've watched the first one, you got to have it wrapped yeah. up. You have to have yeah. those loose ends tied up, but uh, like I said, again, fun time travel story, not the best time travel story we've ever seen, but still enjoyable enough. Well, so as you recall last round, I said Camp Kittimer had a unanimous vote on part one. Uh-huh. The vote for part two, also unanimous, 100%. It's the first time a two-parter has actually been unanimous for both halves in all of the theater skippets we've done, I believe. So Interesting. Yeah. That's pretty and- cool. It is pretty cool. I think it's it's pretty exciting. Um, it's uh, if you think about it, you might know which one is the third hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure you might not know which one is the other lowest ranked of the season. So I'll tease you with that. Well, as we keep going, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so let's keep going. The next is episode ten, which is Warlord, 
And in this episode, Kes is taken over by the mind force of an obsessive rebel named Tyrannin. So, Dan, what do you think of Warlord? This one surprised me, but I actually gave it a see it. And the reason it surprises me, because I've stated many times I'm not a huge Kes fan. But I gotta say, Jennifer Lean had a lot to do in this episode, and she really pulled it off. Sorry, Allie, that's what happens when you don't vote with me in the other episodes. Wow. Um, <laughs> what a jerk. Was, it, it's funny, though. I was doing some additional research about this episode, and I was actually thinking of giving this a skip it because the whole alien takes over a crew member's body next week on Star Trek has happened so many times. And interestingly enough, it happened just three weeks earlier when this actually aired over on Deep Space Nine with the episode The Assignment and Keiko being taken over by mm-hmm. a Pa Wraith. Um, but I, I think Kess does a good – or Jennifer slash Kess does a great job with this one. So I gave it a, I gave it a see it, Bill. Um, I actually gave this one a skip it. And uh, it goes like this. No. No, 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 just no, no. Um, I actually, Dan, uh, Deep Space Nine did do this episode before with the passenger also, and that's a terrible episode, and I still think it's better than this one. Ah. Um, I, I don't fault Jennifer Lean in this episode because I think the script is just terrible. Um, but what she did, you know, it's she's only gonna do what's on the page. She did a great job, but I think the script really fails her in this particular instance, in my own opinion, Allie. Uh, I said, see it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I love Kess. You're fine. I, I love Kess. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're going to kick me off. I can't be the, can't be the referee anymore. I love Kess. Uh, and I think this gives Jennifer a little bit more, uh, room to, to move from her character that we've seen for so long. So polite and nice and sweet and kind, which is great. That's why I love Kess, but we get to see a little bit more range out of her. Um, we also get to see Kess and Neelix break up, which is great. I'm so glad that they break up, <laughs> even though she's possessed when yeah, it happens. She's possessed, yeah. And then they never mention it after that again, which kind is of. strange. Well, there's like some sort yeah. of like mention yep. to it, but they don't have an actual conversation. Right. Yep. Uh, but I love Kess and I'm sorry. That's my reasoning. For why I I must see it. That's fair. I, I can't yep. really fault you for that. Uh, Camp Kinnemer was kind of split down the middle on this one. Practically forty eight percent of respondents said that they would see this episode, so almost a fifty fifty split. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely one that kind of divides people right down the middle. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's move on to episode eleven, which is the Q and the Gray. So in this episode, Q has a novel idea for ending civil war in the Q continuum. Have a child with Captain Janeway. What do you think, Bill? I think I'm going to disappoint you and a lot of people on this one uh, because I say skip it. I can't stand this episode. Um, there are plenty of times where Q is over the top, and this was the episode where I decided I was done with him. Um, I think it's just dumb, quite honestly. Other than that, I have no strong feelings on the matter, Dan. Wow. Um, you know, it's funny, Bill and I had were having a conversation this afternoon uh, via chat, and I said, this is the one episode that I've gone back and forth with like five times on mm-hmm. what I was a, a, actually going to finally give it for a vote. And I I went finally with my with the choice of skip it, and it was interesting. It's, it's not the best Q Continuum episode in Star Trek history, and now that I think about it, it might be the worst of all of them. And a lot of people say, oh, my God, if Q, if it's a Q story and John Delancey's in it, it's going to be awesome. And that doesn't always happen, and that happens no. here. But it, but still, it does have John Delancey. We do have Susie Plaxon as female Q. 
The story's a little odd with all the Civil War mumbo-jumbo. And really, you would think that Q-Sex is a little bit better than just touching fingers. But hey, I'm not an omnipotent being, so I can't answer that. That's for sure. I, I gave it a skip it too, Allie. <laughs> I also gave it a skip it. Wow, all three of us are in agreement. How can that happen? (laughs) I know, I'm stunned, actually. I thought for sure you were going to give this a see it. No, I I gave it a skip it, and it's I very much echo your your guys' sentiments. It's, yeah, it's a Q story, but it's not a good Q story. Uh, It's it's a little bit too out there for me. Yeah, it's great to see Janeway literally turn him down at every corner, but that's not enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently it's not enough for her either. <laughs> um, I think th- the thing that gets me is I think that Voyager for me at least has the best and the worst Q episode of all time. Um, yeah. The worst in the Q and the Gray and the best in Death Wish, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is the best Q story ever done. Apologies to Next Generation. Um, but sorry, guys. Uh, Camp Kittimer, um <laughs> was decidedly more favorable with this episode than the three of us were. 71% of respondents wow. said they would see the Q in the gray. So obviously the uh, the power of John Delancey is strong, Alan. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I love him. And just the, the grace that he brings to Q is great. But And he gives, he gives if, if anything, some of the best outtakes of Voyager are from this episode with yeah. John Delancey. Yes. They're hilarious. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But with that, let's move on to episode 12, which is Macrocosm. And in this episode, when viruses grow to a meter in length and begin attacking the crew of the Voyager, Captain Janeway and the Doctor must retake the ship. So what do you think, Dan? What about Macrocosm? Well, I, uh, I'm going to give this one a see it. Barely. Um, I thought that when the show opened with a race called the Tac Tac, that the episode was just going to be really tacky. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't too, too bad. There were lots of bugs, big bugs, lots small bugs. bugs, lots of bugs. And basically when you think about it, this episode is essentially alien meets coronavirus and Janeway's playing the role of Ripley. So oh, yeah. Give it a see it, baby. Bill? I I got to agree with you there. I dig this episode. It's a total see it. And not only because it forces the crew to confront a really different threat, but Janeway once again gets to kick ass. And that <laughs> always makes me happy. Uh, I've grown to love Janeway in the action hero role um, or definitely the strong captain role because she is absolutely that. So absolute see it for me, Allie. Absolute see it for me too. Wow. We're in agreement again. Wow. Oh, goodness. Anytime that I get to see Janeway with the phaser rifle, I'm all for that. I also think when you were saying, Bill, about it's great to see her kind of in that action hero role, it's it's so great that it, we're able to also enjoy and love when she's not, when she's like Absolutely. that sensitive captain. But now, it, being her being the action hero doesn't make her anything less. It it makes her more, if anything. Agreed. 100%. Absolutely. Camp Kittimer agrees with us for the most part as a plane flies over my head. And uh, 61% of respondents said they would see... I'm oh, sorry, no, wrong one. I apologize. 81% of respondents wow. said they would see macrocosm. So that's a, it's a very high praise for this episode. And I may have just telegraphed the next episode. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of next episode, it's episode 13, Fair Trade. And in this episode, a meeting with an old friend lands Neelix in an ever-deepening hole of trouble. So, Bill, what do you think of Fair Trade? 
Uh, I think that it's fair to watch this one. I think it's a see it. I enjoy this episode because it gives uh, Neelix somewhere to go. And that place is fear and bad decisions. We get an opportunity to see Neelix on really uncertain ground. And I think that Ethan Phillips really shines in this one. Plus, I like how the writers admit to the fact that Neelix can't have been everywhere. And then they use that point to their advantage in the storytelling. So for me, I think this is great growth for Neelix, Dan. I absolutely agree with that, man. I always like, how can Neelix know so much about this entire quadrant? I mean, it just doesn't seem plausible. So I'm glad that they kind of brought that to a head. I gave this a seed as well. It's an actual Neelix episode that shows the strength of the character of Mm. Neelix and his flaws. And I think that really works well. Um, This is the border space that he doesn't know anything about past it. Uh, He doesn't think he's any, he's no longer, he, try again. He thinks he's no longer needed on Voyager. Um, he gets to meet his old friend Wicks and then gets caught up in the in the scheme. There's a lot to chew on in this episode, and it's really done well. And like you said, Bill, Ethan shines in this episode. Yeah. And it might be the best, and I think it is the best Neelix episode that we've seen so far in Voyager. Allie? I also gave it a see it. I think that uh, it's – some people love to hate Neelix <laughs> that, for yeah. like want of a better oh, yeah. way to describe it. But as much as like, yes, he, he is kind of that, that little quirky character that might not seem to fit in with everybody else. He, he truly does want to help Voyager in any way that he can. That's why he, yes, he, he follows Tuvok around and he meets Bellana in engineering and all this stuff that seems like, oh, well, no, no one would want him to bother them, but he really just wants to be useful. And I, I think that he does show how useful he is over the course of Voyager. And this episode really kind of is a staple for that. Absolutely. For me, I think this is the best Neelix episode since Jatrell in season one. Oh, I forgot about Jatrell. Um, yes, that's a great episode. Those two are, are, are head yep. to head. They really yep. show a nice vulnerability of Neelix. Um, as I mentioned before, 61%, except it was for fair trade. Uh, Camp Kittimer said they would see this particular episode. So here we are at the halfway point of season three, Allie. Ooh, halfway. I know, oh right? It's, fl- it's flown by. We're flying. <laughs> that's, that's because Dan isn't talking a lot, and that's really when this show shines. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Being this referee is harder than I thought. <laughs> I, that's, yeah. Hey, you signed the contract, huh? I know. Uh, <laughs> you can't back out of it now. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, let's just keep it rolling then and try to keep the insults to a minimum. But no, we're... no, not on Trek Geeks. <laughs> if, if you listen to this show... I, I'm starting over from the beginning, so I'll, I'll hear it all, I suppose. But let's move on to episode 14 with Alter Ego. And in this episode, Tuvok and Harry Kim become interested in a holodeck character who is more than she seems. So, Dan, what do you think about Alter Ego? All right, I'm going to give this a see it. And let's see if I can roll this all into my thought process here. Starfleet officer falls in love with a hologram. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, Jordy? Um, but wait. The hologram falls for Tuvok, but she's not a hologram at all. Huh? Okay. So this episode basically tries to take the aspects of Galaxy's Child, Elementary Dear Data, and Hollow Pursuits and smashes it into one episode, and it actually works for me on Voyager. Bill? I have to agree with you. Uh, this is an absolute see it for me. This is not your average holodeck episode, and I really think that's what makes it so good. Mm-hmm. Joe Minoski has found a way here to ter- take a, a you know that type of story and to do something original with it. And I think it works brilliantly. I could do without whiny confrontational Harry Kim. Really, that's the only downfall to the episode for me when he and Tuvok sort of butt heads. But overall, Allie, I think this is a great hour of television. 
Oh no! Here we go. <laughs> I said skip it. Uh, I I hear what you guys are saying, but honestly, I think it's a little it's a little out there for me in the fact that from the very beginning, Harry is so melodramatic about everything, absolutely everything. Oh my god, I'm in love with a holodeck character. Oh, I'm gonna do Vulcan meditation. Oh, I need Tuvok to help me. I, I understand that, like, Harry does get like that sometimes. He is very young. He's a little naive. He has, he's a little green around the edges, but I don't know. I, the whole, like, Harry Kim being so over the top about everything it just turns me off to the rest of it. So let me ask you this. When you say that Harry Kim is melodramatic from the very beginning, do you mean just this episode or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um,. <laughs> Well, in this episode, it's it's very much evident. I love Harry yeah. Kim. I love Harry Kim. But yeah. I, I think that this is just, it's a little bit too much for me. Um, but I do hear what you guys are saying. I just want to point out that uh, we're going to remember this come your next performance review. Oh, so dear. So just keep that in mind. Uh, you might want to bring an empty box. Um, <laughs> uh, Camp Kittimer, um actually kind of sides with Allie on this one, Dan. Yeah. 42% of respondents said that they would see alter ego. So we are actually in the minority, even though we're in the majority on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you take this round, Mrs. Martinez. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> Dan, we continue to be huge supporters of our new friends at Science Division and absolutely love their officially licensed interactive Tribble. The love and dedication that has been put into this new collectible is simply amazing. And that was certainly evident in the live stream I had with them just a couple of weeks ago. You know, it was a great evening of, dare I say, Bill, troubles and tribulations. Get it? Anyway, uh, I was able to check out the video recently. I'm really sorry I wasn't able to be there that night. It was a lot of fun. Jay and Kaylea have poured their love of Star Trek into this new product, and it certainly shows. Now, these tribbles are incredible. And contrary to what Klingons may tell you, <laughs> they are not dangerous. They are soft. They make a pleasant sound. And I like them, Bill, better than I like you. Uh, they, uh, you know, you can, you can, Buy your Tribble right now at ScienceDIV.com, and when it arrives, you can download the Section K7 app on your iOS or Android phone, name your Tribble, and even choose what ship it'll be assigned to. That's right, Dan. Whether you use the app or not, your new Tribble will be such a great addition to your Trek collection. The Tribbles, of course, have three modes. There's At Ease, where they're happy and content. There's On Duty, which is a, a random mix of happy and angry sounds. And then there's Watchdog, where you're pretty sure they'll have seen a Klingon. Now, the app also has an attack button, which makes your Tribble scream on demand at friends, family, coworkers, and even less than intelligent podcast partners. Right. That's now, you. As, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> as anyone who listens to the Trek Geeks Podcast Network knows, we are huge supporters of small business, especially during this wacky time of COVID-19. Science Division is exactly that, a small business made of made up of a husband and wife team. So why not support their small business and order your trouble right now? And the best part is, Dan, the response from our Trek Geeks listeners has been so great. They are extending their special $5 discount code just for our listeners. So head on over to ScienceDIV.com to place your order. That's ScienceDiv.com. Normally, these triples go for $69.99, but if you enter the special discount code GEEKS, um, you'll get $5 off your triple. Now, this offer code is valid right now until May 27th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Science Division. 
Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. All right. Well, let's move on then to episode 15, which is Coda. And in this episode, after her apparent death, Captain Janeway's journey to the afterlife, guided by her father, leaves her with suspicions. And so was that, am I correct? And you want, you want me to start this off? Oh, no, no. I was just saying that uh, you won the Oh, I won the I won the battle. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can can start this one off if you want to. Oh, gosh, no. I want to hear what you guys have to say first, so then I can argue with you. (laughs) So, Dan. You're going to fit on the show perfectly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Okay, Dan, what do you think about Coda? See or skip? All right. Well, I gave this one a see it. I actually like the different time loop stories in this episode, a la cause and effect when you think about it a little bit. Um, I liked seeing Janeway's dad show up, although I didn't like that dad, once again, as we've seen so many times, turned out to be just another alien trying to do something bad. The Janeway-Chakotay scenes in this episode, though, are awesome, especially when she dies in her in his arms. Um, it kind of turns out to be an episode where nothing actually really ever happened, but it doesn't matter. It still works for me, so I gave it a see it, Bill. You know, so back in 2014, Danny, when I went to Trek Boss in mm-hmm. Boston, and we saw Garrett Wong there, and he talked about how when Voyager first started, um, Rick Berman took them all to dinner and said, look, all of you playing humans, we want you to dial back the emotion a lot. We want the aliens to really shine in this in this series. And and that caused for some of the performances to be somewhat muted by by his estimation. And those are That's a paraphrasing of his words back in the day. This episode for me is a see it simply for the level of emotion that is displayed here. It, it's not important because of what Janeway experiences. That's really kind of irrelevant. It's important because what everyone else experiences around her with her absence, especially Chakotay and Kim in particular. This episode lets these actors and characters finally experience something real instead of dialing it back. And for me, Allie, that's why this episode is amazing. I agree with you guys. Uh, I When I first saw this episode a long time ago, when we see Janeway die, or die, air quote, in yeah. uh, Chakotay's arms, I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sobbing, <laughs> completely sobbing. And then again, when... The- Can you say that again? Just so many tears. And it's it goes to show the strong bond that the crew has really formed from starting off with being, okay, well, we are we are two separate things. We are Maki and we are Starfleet. And then this shows really that they have, I mean, Voyager does it many times, but how the crew has really come together and they are a family. And oh, it just makes my heart oh, feel so good. Bill, Bill you talked about how um, you get to see emotion from people that we don't normally see. We talked about Chakotay and Janeway. One of the things that also stands out to me in this episode is Bolana's speech. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the at the uh, memorial, I thought that was fantastic as well. Hundred percent. Well, seventy one percent of Camp Kettermer respondents said they would see Coda. That's actually a, a much higher number than I thought yeah. it would be. I feel like this is one of those episodes that that people probably would skip over, and I'm glad that Camp Kettermer has proved me wrong at least in the percentage. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. But let's move on then to episode sixteen, which is Blood Fever. And so in this episode, Belana Torres experiences symptoms similar to Pon Far after being attacked by Ensign Vorik, who is also undergoing the blood fever. So, Bill, what do you think about blood fever? Well, it's rare that we get three of these in a season, Dan. <laughs> um, so here we go. 
Skip it. Meh. I feel like with this episode, they were trying to check things off on a box, and they finally got to Pond Far on the list and said, oh, we got to do a Pond Far episode. Check. And that's really what this episode feels like to me. Other than that, there's I don't really feel like there's anything at stake here. Uh, it's an episode that honestly bores me down. Okay. Um, I also gave this a skip it. A, I don't like Vorik. Two, it's a weak Balana story. And D, Klingon Pond Far? Really? Please? I, I'm sorry. I would have liked it if it was Porn Far and not Pond Far because this one is just not good. I don't like this episode at all. Well, first, Allie? I was going to say, first, <laughs> oh let's address that you, that you apparently were in the movie Home Alone because you had one, <laughs> two, and then D. I'm glad you caught the reference. That's exactly what um, I wanted to do. Thanks, yeah. Buzz. <laughs> No problem, Flemwad. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys, I just can't. <laughs> oh, I'll see you trying to come you, back from that, Allie. <laughs> I tell you, when I when I was getting ready for this, I had no idea that I was going to be just busting at the seams with laughter. Uh, but I should expect nothing less from the both of you. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you. But yeah, Blood Fever also gave it a skip it. Uh, I understand... Something that I think Voyager tries to do, uh, sometimes does it well and sometimes doesn't, is that we get a little bit more background into Vulcan culture, um, yeah. trying to explain things like Kalto or the Vulcan meditation, stuff like that. And I, I love that they're trying to give us that background because, I mean, with, with my love of Spock from the original series and trying to explain, you know, we don't get that explanation so much. It's just like, this is the way it is for my culture. And now it's like, okay, well, let's give a little bit of background. But this is just this is just kind of flying off the seams a little bit for me. Uh it's very very ridiculous. Um I mean, we we get to see that kind of more uh aggressive side of Balana her like with her. It's not but it's not her like combating her Klingon this time. It's like, well, this is something completely different. It's fascinating, but it's not enough for me to give it a see it. Honestly, if they were going to do a Pond Far episode, the series already has a Vulcan. <laughs> I mean, we don't get to two box Pond Far episode for a few more years, I don't think. No. Um, but uh, I, I honestly, I could care less about. Or sorry, I couldn't care less about Vorik. Let um, me ask you a question. Yeah is is the, the character of Vorik is it the same one as in TNG's Lower Decks? Is it the same actor? Character? Okay, sort of like what they did with Robbie. Yeah, so it's it's Torik in Lower Decks. Oh, it's Vorik. In Voyager, and his mom is Jerry Taylor. Ah, okay. Which is how he got the gig. Gotcha. Um, and of course, his father was legendary sports uh, sports anchor Dick Enberg. Oh, all right. Okay, cool. A little trivia there for you, Allie. Um, wow. 70% of respondents said they would actually watch Blood Fever. So apparently, the plaque towel um, shines well in Camp Kittimer. I guess so. Yeah. But let's move on then. Let's Shall let's keep we? it going. I mean, we're not going to we can't talk all day, although I wish we could. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on to episode 17 then, which is Unity. And in this episode, Chakotay is injured and trapped on a world where the inhabitants are embroiled in conflict. But the people who rescue and care for him harbor a disturbing secret. Ooh. What do you think, Dan? Ooh, that's a little scary. Um, I gave this one a see it. Uh, it's an interesting take. Uh, the call. Oh, wait a minute. Am I on the wrong thing? I'm on the wrong one. No. I think I, you're oh, not. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. Yeah. It, the colony's so happy to be free of the collective, 
But after that euphoria wears off, they basically want to form a mini collective and they call it the new cooperative to end the chaos. That's a little interesting to see what, you know, I don't know if it's kind of like that whole um, thing that people suffer from where they want to go back to when they were being a prisoner or something like that. But that's what it made me think of. And the fact that they destroy the cube after the drones are are reawakened really does show that this new collective is separate from the hive of the Borg. So it's very interesting to see it from that side of the collective. We're only used to seeing the Borg as as automatons who are just going to assimilate everything they see. And to see this, I thought was very interesting. So I gave it a see it, Bill. I can't believe we've gone 17 episodes without one of us saying this. Akuchi Moya. Um, <laughs> I gave this episode a see it. Um, now that we're so incredibly familiar with the Borg, it's great to see stories about them told in different ways. And I think this episode is no exception. They're different. But are they? Because really, I mean, th- th- that's the hook to this particular episode and, and why I think it works. Eventually, they, they've become what they've tried to flee. Um, so that's why it kind of works for me, Ali. Yes, I also gave it a see it. Interestingly enough, they I don't know how, how familiar you guys are with Star Trek Online or if you've played much, but they actually give a little bit more storyline to the Borg Cooperative. Oh, cool. Okay. So uh, that other, I mean, I've seen this episode before playing that, but uh, I also think it's, it's interesting to see the fact that they we get to see a different side of the Borg, but it's not yeah. it's not the Borg. It really isn't. But it shows that humanity does shine through when it needs to, um, but in good ways and in bad ways. It's it's not we're not perfect. I also like the fact that they brought Alpha Quadrant aliens into it as being mm. part of the freed collective. I thought yeah. that was good to show that anybody can be assimilated, but they could end up anywhere in the galaxy as a result. I thought that was pretty cool. Totally agree. Well, Camp Kinnamer thinks it's really cool. 87% of Kinnamerians, I'm sure that's a word, uh, say they would see this episode. And um, I'm just glad they agree with us this time. Nice job, campers. Great. Way to go. (laughs) Good deal. Let's move on then to Darkling, which is episode 18. And in this episode, the doctor alters his personality subroutines by grafting other personalities onto or into his program while Kess contemplates leaving Voyager for a man. What do you think, Dan? You know, um, I think this is the first time I have ever used these words on see it or skip it together. Skip it barely. I've always said see it barely, but this one I'm giving a skip it barely. It's enjoyable. It gives Picardo some breathing room to stretch his acting legs, but it just isn't an episode I really think about, and it never has an oh my moment. Um, I may have to uh, borrow from my illustrious co-host here and borrow a word he uses quite often. Meh. Bill? Well, Dan, it's funny you should bring that up. (laughs) Never before have I hit four of these in a season. And I'm starting to refer to these, this particular season, as the four horse meh of the apocalypse. (laughs) Um, Season three, episode 18, Darkling, skip it. Meh. You might be turning into a meh-holic. There it is. Uh, wow. Number four. Um, four. I just, yeah, I, that's all I got, Allie. I just, I can't even, I can't even. All right. Uh, surprisingly, I am a skip it as well, even though we do get to see more of Kiss in this episode. Uh, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Uh, I am a skip it, interestingly enough, because when I was going through trying to prepare what I was thinking about all these episodes in preparation for this this podcast, 
It was the one that I honestly couldn't really remember out of all the episodes. I couldn't really remember very much about it. Like, at all. I was like, yeah. all right, like, maybe a little bit, but nothing really struck me as, like, this is an episode that I'm going to think about again someday. And I haven't thought about it, so it's a yep. skip it for me. Well, Camp Kittimer, uh, again, almost right down the middle perfectly on this particular episode. Uh, Darkling, 52% said see it, so it's almost uh, almost a 50-50 one for one. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I, I think that just demonstrates the unevenness of this episode when a vote is that that close, honestly. Um, if you could really take it or leave it, I think that vote really says that in particular. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, with that, let's head on to episode 19, which is Rise. And in this episode, Voyager helps a planet being bombarded by asteroids and Tuvok and Neelix crash land and try to fix a space elevator. What do you think, Bill? I, um, I actually call this one a see it. Uh, I remember when I first saw this episode, I had just barely heard of the concept of a space elevator. So for me, it was really cool to see it in Star Trek. Plus, there is a lot of good Tuvok and Neelix stuff here. Um, parts of the story are a little forgettable, but honestly, I, I think it's not a bad hour of Voyager. I think there's some that are far worse, Dan. Wow, we have not disagreed on many episodes so far this season, man. But I, uh, I did give this one a skip it. Um, I would have loved to say see it just for the character building and relationship building of Tuvix. No, he's oh, I'm dead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Tuvok and Neelix. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, but I got to say, Kaminer, Sklar, and Han Juan are terrible. Terrible alien. And the acting was, was awful. And even the idea of that space elevator that you just talked about, Bill, I got to say, in all honesty, it, uh, it fell flatter than the people that would be in an elevator if it fell 100 stories without any breaks. I just got to say that. How do you really flat. feel? Flat. Flat. Yeah. Allie? I don't want to give Bill any time to respond, so I'm just going to go right to Allie. <laughs> Allie! <laughs> uh, Dan, I'm sorry. I promise I'm not collaborating with Bill. I promise. I gave it a see it. Uh, I gave it a see it because of the Tuvok and Neelix relationship that we see within it. Uh Honestly, sometimes when I when we first start seeing the relationship between Tuvok and Neelix, and every time Neelix comes around staying Mr. Vulcan and picking on him all the time, I just I just used to tune out. But in this episode, it really uh, Neelix does also show that he it proves his knowledge about you know he's not just someone who's who's there on the side. He's saying you know I I have some familiarity with this kind of thing, and um, Tuvok really does come to end up relying on that familiarity. So uh, I gave it a see it. I'm sorry, Dan. I, I gotta say it was tough for me to give this one a, ski, a see it, be, skip it rather, because of that very aspect. The Tuvok Neelix relationship in this one is very strong. I just I just couldn't do it. I just have one thing to say in response to Dan. <laughs> 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 That's all I had. Uh, Camp Kittimer, a um, little less than two-thirds of people say they would see this episode. 63% of respondents voting in the affirmative alley. Oh, I like it. I like it. It's, yeah, it's interesting I'm, getting to see this like background. It's great to hear your guys' opinions, but also getting to have that, that poll to say, the, hmm. The Camp Kittimer poll really ties it together. Well, for, we have to thank Debbie Moltisanti, who does this for us every time. She puts out the poll. She compiles the numbers. She sends them on often. And it's it's really added a lot to the podcast. So uh, uh, again, once again, our hat's off to Debbie. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Debbie. It's been super fun to be able to get to hear what everyone's thinking. But let's move on to episode 20, which is Favorite Son. And in this episode, Harry seemingly learns both that he is actually a member of a Delta Quadrant race and that his people want him to never leave his new home. What do you think, Dan, about Favorite Son? This is a favorite. I love this episode. I gave it a see it. I love the female-led world and what lengths they go to to keep Harry. I think that's great. I think um, Garrett does a wonderful job in this episode. Uh, the whole story that the Theresians give about who Harry is actually kind of works and makes sense, at least to Harry. Um, and it does for the audience, I think, for quite a while. It's a little corny, but enjoyable until, of course, we see the dead guy. Um, I kind of think of the story as me being Harry and Bill being Tamon, that mummified dead guy. Sorry, buddy. Are you really? Sorry, buddy. No, you're not. Um, yeah, thanks, Dan. I say see it uh, with this one. I love Favorite Son, but poor Harry Kim. <laughs> I mean, this guy just has to suffer and suffer and suffer. He's like the Miles O'Brien of the Delta Quadrant, for yes. God's sake. Not only is this technically not the same Harry Kim who started the show, but now he finds out he's potentially an alien and from the Delta Quadrant. I mean, <laughs> what else can they throw at this guy? Just wait. Um <laughs> It would have been nice if they'd kept some of those changes long-term for, for the character. Uh, but I, overall, I think Garrett does a fantastic job in this one. So it's a definite see it, Allie. I also gave it a see it. It's a, it's a great Harry Kim episode. And the first time I watched it, I was completely like within the episode. I'm like, this is real. Harry's not, he's not human. I totally believed it. I was on their, their wavelength. And I think it's fun. I think that, like you said, getting to see the female-led civilization is really great. Um, a little bit better than we see in, what is it, Angel Angel One? Yeah. Is the way Riker? Yeah. Um, yeah. I like this considerably better than that. Uh, I, I think that Harry really shows that, I mean, he he has a belief of who he is and what what's happened to him, and we really get to see him question that, which I think is really fascinating. So... This is the episode that tied for the lowest score from Camp Kittimer with 30% of respondents saying they would see it, Blown which away. really surprises me. Yeah. Um, uh, it's how the vote went. I get wow. it. But this uh, this episode, according to Camp Kittimer, is on par with Sacred Ground. Unbelievable. <laughs> Camp Kittimer, Dan, is so disappointed in you. Wow. Um, so, yeah, Allie, um, surprise. It's okay. I mean, every, everyone's got their their episodes that they think is their Star Trek, and I guess that's Favorite true. Son was not one of them. <laughs> and that's cool. That's It's good to go. But with that, let's move on to episode 21, which is Before and After. And in this episode, Kess finds herself in temporal flux with her consciousness moving back in time through various episodes in her life up until her birth. What do you think, Bill? Well, Allie, like you, I'm probably going to give this one a see it. <laughs> and I say that because it's a Kess episode. Um, this episode to me really is the best of Kess in one installment. I mean, this is it. And after this, unfortunately, the character doesn't get to do much more. And then, spoiler alert, she'll be gone next season. So, plus, I mean, we get a tease of Year of Hell in this episode, which isn't coming up for a while. So I, I think that the way they put this episode together is just brilliant, Dan. 
You took the words right out of my mouth, man. I literally wrote down, see it, this, the idea of this episode is brilliant. And it really is. We get to see and hear things in this episode that hasn't happened in the series yet, but is going to. And Year of Hell is the perfect example. I think the writing in this episode is what really stands out and how they are able to do that. And again, it's a it's a Kess episode that actually works. So that's two for me this season with the same character that I usually don't like, Allie. So you better be on my side with this one. Of course. You guys already know I'm all about Kess. So yes, 100% see it. It, it really does – it makes me sad to think that it took this long to get a good – a really good Kess yeah. episode yeah. when the – Really could have gone anywhere with it. There was so much, I mean, completely new Okampan, like all that culture, all that, that's, that interesting. We can take it in any direction we want. And then they wait and then they get rid of her. <laughs> it really is unfortunate. And I, I, I wish that we would have had a little bit more background from Kest than what we got. Uh, I'm forever going to be sad that, I mean, I understand the progression and I love seven. So don't like, don't get me wrong. Yep, I'm, I'm sure. glad that it moved in that direction as well, but I don't know. Um, getting to see this episode really like, yes, it was all smashed into one episode, but they could have drawn it out a little bit more and ex like exposed these things over a course of episodes and they didn't, yep. but okay. I mean, it doesn't make me like this episode any less. No, it just, it demonstrates the potential this character had all along, which really is the biggest bummer that Jennifer Leon was right there in front of their eyes and they waited until deep into season three to actually do something with it. So uh, 82% of camp Kidamarians said that they would see this episode. That's a very respectable number. Um, and it's, it's one that makes me happy. So uh, yay camp Kidamar. Great job. Shout out for Kess. Justice for Kess. Hashtag justice for Kess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to episode 22 which is real life. And in this episode, the doctor learns a few real life lessons with the holographic family he created and Voyager investigates massive subspace distortions. So Dan, what do you think? Uh, I gave this one a see it, uh, boys and girls. Uh, I really like this episode. We don't get to see the doctor in this way very much. Um, and he created this family to feel, as Data would say, more human. And I think it works for him. From the comedic aspect of the at the beginning of the uh, um, journey that he has with his family, to the despair and outright sorrow at the end with his daughter's injury, it really doesn't bother me that we don't see this family again. It was an experience that the doctor wanted and I think needed to have, uh, so he had it, and I really think it affected his programming in a large way, and it added significant growth to the character of the doctor. It may not have been stated specifically by referencing the family again, but I think that it certainly evolved his character. Um, as far as the B story goes, though, space tornadoes? Really? That's all you could come up with after this Doctor Hologram episode? So, yeah, we'll, we'll let that slide because I give this one a see it. Bill? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> and I'm saying that to the whole shooting match. Um, I, this one for me is a massive skip it. Wow. Uh, I can't stand this episode more than I can't stand the Q and the gray. Ouch. For me, this is the worst episode of the season. There's zero emotional investment in this episode because none of these characters is ever coming back. I didn't buy it then, and I sure as hell don't buy it now. Um, I've only ever seen this episode twice, once when it aired live and the second time on my watch through, and I'll be happy if I never see it again. Other than that, Allie, no strong feelings on the matter. Oh, dear. Oh, my. 
Well, this is this is interesting. This is uh, awkward. <laughs> Bill, I'm sorry. I gotta go with Dan on this. I gave it a see it. Uh, first of all, how does one play Parisian squares? I I still yeah. we will never know. <laughs> we never will. Obviously, you can die from it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just get injured, but actually die. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was it was a really great step back from okay we're we're on this this mission to like okay yes we have a family within the crew but now we have a family of a family like an actual family something that we got to see a little bit more with um like uh Naomi Wildman okay we're getting to see that that actual family dynamic which yes a crew is family but it, it's not quite the same. And so I think the doctor really is, is thrown a curveball in this because he thinks he knows everything that he should expect. He knows exactly right. how to be the perfect father, the perfect husband, the perfect everything. And, uh, it's like when the doctor infects himself with that, that like flu strain and he's like, Oh, you guys, my bedside manner is great. You guys just complain about everything. And then he realizes, you know, it's, it's not so easy being human. It really isn't. So, so Bill, let me play devil's advocate here because I think this is the one that we probably disagree with the most so yeah. far for this season. Yeah. So you said that the episode, you didn't like it because there's no emotional investment because none of these characters are ever coming back. How did you feel about Lower Decks with Sita Jaxa? Um, we didn't know she wasn't coming back. There, it's kind of a stretch. I know no, I know what I, you're saying. I don't think yeah. it is because the entire time, even when that episode aired, the talk in fandom and even in letters to, to Star Trek fan mags and the communicator was, we could see Cito Jaxa again. A lot but, of people thought she was going to turn up on Deep Space Nine. So, uh, But all of these characters are one-dimensional. They're stereotypes. And Cito Jaxa was not. Okay. All right. I was just curious just to get you thinking on that. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I... For one, I don't know if it's just me looking at this from a 24-year-old Trekkie's perspective, but sure. I uh, I was feeling the emotions run a little hot in that episode. I don't know if it was just me because I get emotional about literally everything. <laughs> that might be why. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I think that it, it was a good Doctor episode. Any episode that we get to see a little bit more about the Doctor experiencing humanity – is is well, usually a see it for me. That's what I really liked about it. I mean, he thinks he knows everything, and then he has to deal with a teenager. And as someone who has had to deal with a teenager and seeing the frustration, I just thought it worked on so many levels. Even stuff like that, as 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 Bill said, yeah, they're never coming back, and they are holograms. I just felt that it worked. And I, I respect that. I mean, Camp yeah. uh, Kittimer obviously agrees with the two of you in large numbers. 82% said they would see this episode. I get that I'm in the minority. I just see every CW show stereotype in the doctor's <laughs> family, and it just it takes me right out of it. That's that's a good point. That's kind of funny. It's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. But with that, let's move on to episode 23, which is Distant Origin. And so in this episode, a reptilian scientist trying to prove his heretical theories kidnaps Chakotay and draws the entire crew in conflict between his race's doctrine and the startling truth about its origin. So what do you think, Bill? I think for me, this one is a see it kind of. And that's just a little stronger than barely. Um, <laughs> there's enough here to keep it interesting. 
Um, I, I like any time that we get uh, a species that is kind of looking for its own origin and then we find out that it ties back to us. I think that uh, the discovery of the human skull and how these aliens examine it is really kind of cool. Um, and then it, it leaves them with a particular quandary. Um, I, I, I would watch this one again. I, I think it's entertaining enough, Dan. Okay, so I like how you gave it a see it kind of. I didn't know we had different levels of see it, so that's kind of funny. I just created it. You gave it see it kind of. I gave it see it barely. So, okay, a little bit higher, a little bit lower than yours, a little bit higher. I really don't know because I wasn't really listening to you anyway. <laughs> um, but I'm going to give this a see it barely. So, uh, okay, so let me get this straight. Earth's dinosaurs didn't really go extinct. They evolved into sentient, intelligent beings who invented space travel and left the planet. Okay. Um, but what really works for me in this episode is that it starts out with the whole dinosaur thing, but then evolves, get it, get it, Bill, evolves, uh, into a story about the fear of change. And for me, that kind of works because I know a lot of people have fear of change. So I gave it a, a C it B, I guess you could say. C it B. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, you're going to have to retitle the name of this show. It's going to be know, like, right? see it, see it, maybe, <laughs> skip it, maybe. It's going to be f- and never ending. <laughs> I, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a see it. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm barely or if I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, it's not quite a, a solid see it, yeah. but I, I think that it's fascinating in which we, we get to see something of a different species and it's not just them being fascinated about us. It's there's like, there's something at stake there where the scientist is saying, you know, this is something that could change everything. And, and obviously his, his species is not so hot about that. It's also something we see more of in Star Trek online. So, um, definitely going to, um, recommend anyone who's, who's fascinated and yes, it's not official canon. It's not, but, um, getting to see a little bit more about, those characters and um, ultimately what happens to the scientist you ran into. I won't spoil anything for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, I see it just in the fact that it, it's a little bit about our past. It's a little bit about archaeology. It's a little bit about the future. And it it kind of, I I think it combines them decently enough. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I find that I, this is another one that Joe Minoski had a hand in. And I really like a lot of his Voyager episodes I've discovered. So I guess it's not a surprise that I really kind of feel something for this episode. 88% of Camp Kittimer said that they would see this episode. So that's actually high praise for an episode that we all thought was just barely over the line in the see it category. I'm, I'm really kind of fascinated by that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to get that background. Uh, but let's move on to episode 24, which what? is Displaced. And so in this episode, Voyager crew members begin disappearing one by one, being replaced by aliens. So, Bill, what do you think of Displaced? Um, so let me see if I get this straight. The Nereans kidnap people and take them to paradise? What the hell is at stake here? I mean, why would you want to try to leave? Uh, this is a skip it for me, Dan. <laughs> really? I never would have thought. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I'm going to give this one a skip it also. And I got to be honest, I kind of feel like Gandalf in the Fellowship of the Ring at the Mines of Moria because I have no memory of this episode. So sorry. 
That's that's the second one this this season that you have November. Second one this season. I think there's only one other time that's ever happened. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I'll use a term that both of you uh, seem to have used already, and I'll say skip it. Meh. (laughs) I hope I'm okay to be using. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a solid story. It really isn't. It's all over the place and. there's nothing memorable about it. Like Dan was saying, he doesn't even remember it at all. So (laughs) there's nothing in this episode for me. No, it's, but I mean, the, the Nerian place seems nice. I'd like a condo there or at least a timeshare. (laughs) That would be pretty awesome. Um, this is another one of those episodes with Camp Kittimer that is straight down the middle. And I think that we're discovering that with those ones in this particular season, it kind of tells us a lot about the episode itself. 54% of Camp Kittimer said they would see this. So this really is very uh, polar in its voting, which I, I am totally fascinated by. That's interesting. Well, Camp Kittimer is going to have to let us know more about why they feel this way. I'm, I'm Absolutely. Just should- Leave some comments. I want to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Hit us up in the in the post in Camp Kittimer and, and tell us why, because we'd love to know more. Yeah, absolutely. But we're, we're getting to the end here. My goodness. So let's move on to episode 25, which is Worst Case Scenario. And in this episode, a buried hollow novel with high entertainment value depicting a Maquis mutiny against Captain Janeway is discovered. So, Dan, what do you think about worst case scenario? Well, I'll give you a hint. Um, Any time that the Trek geeks do an entire episode on a specific episode of Star Trek television, chances are it's going to get to see it. And this is a big time see it. I think this is my favorite episode of the season, to be perfectly honest with you. Um it's great. The actors get to play out of their regular shell, and it looks like they all just had a fantastic time doing it. And it's great to see Martha Hackett again as Seska. Um, I used to hate this character, but now she is so diabolically awesome that I loved seeing her, even if it was just in a holodeck simulation that, surprise, goes wrong. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> you know, Dan, you used the perfect word in describing Seska and diabolical. Um, she really ascends to that level as an adversary in Star Trek. And there are so few that really seem to. And for Voyager, I think she's perfect. Uh, this obviously for me is a see it. This is one of my favorite episodes of the season. And honestly, I think it's a great downshift before the season finale. I was never that happy with the way the Maquis and the Starfleet crews were just sort of instantaneously harmonious and everybody was happy. But this shows that there's elements that were considered as a possibility by somebody, not to tip off too much. Um, and that's really what makes it fascinating, Ali. I am also see it. 100% see it. I I don't know if it's my favorite episode. It might be my second favorite episode of this season. Uh, everyone is all about this program. Everyone's yeah. loving it. Everyone's yeah. trying it out. Just because of the fact that it's it's so different from what actually happened. They're just like, I have to know mm-hmm. what someone thought it might be. And I originally, I hated Seska. I thought she was, originally, I thought she was very one- it would not complex as a villain. And then we see more of her and then we see more of her and then we see more of her. And it really that, that original hate turned into, well, now I just love to hate her because she is a terrible villain, not because I dislike her character, but because I dislike what her character does and the problems that she ensues. 
and like a lot of the the big baddies in Star Trek, the Mark Alimos, Martha Hackett is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet at a convention. She is so sweet and so joyful that she really is the antithesis of of Seska, and it's really great to see. Nice. Um, so we all were in a hundred percent agreement on this particular episode. Camp Kittimer, however, was almost there. Ninety nine percent of respondents in Camp Kittimer said they would see worst case scenario. And actually it was 98.7 something. So I rounded up to 99. So friggin' Trebuzio. That's probably him. Yeah. So I'm really fascinated by that. I've never seen one come so close to unanimous. Um, But Hey, here we are at the season finale alley. Yes, we've, We've come from the beginning of the season, and now we're here. Oh, my goodness. But yes, season finale, episode 26, Scorpion, part one. And in this episode, upon entering Borg space, Voyager encounters an alien race even more powerful than the Borg, and bent on destroying all life in the galaxy, leading Captain Janeway to enter into an alliance with the Borg in order to defeat them. What do you think, Dan? What's not to what's not to love about this episode? Um, this is this is this is fantastic Star Trek television. It's a definite see it. We have the Borg. We have the intro seven of nine. We have this new species eight four seven two. And John Rhys Davies is in this episode as Da Vinci. What is not to love about Scorpion Part One? The opening scene itself with the Borg giving their speech about resistance being futile and then being destroyed before they can say the word futile just sets up for an amazing hour of television, Bill. I I couldn't agree more. I remember seeing that teaser the first time because I think it's one of the shortest in Voyager's history. And uh, I was just blown away. This is an absolute see it. No questions about it. This episode marks one of the most important changes in Voyager coming next season. Um, and that makes it a must see that, and you had to figure there would eventually be a species that even the Borg were afraid of. And now we get a taste of that. I mean, big things are coming in season four, and this is a great way to end what really amounts to a solid season of Voyager Alley. Yes, I am a see it. You know, that good things, interesting things, literally like universe changing things are coming when the Borg are like have more than met their match with someone else and of course getting introduced to seven of nine all these like new things that's like okay we can see voyager shifting gears a little bit so this next season is going to be a little bit different than what we've seen before and obviously getting to see janeway and the borg is something you'd never with picard and his such distaste with the Borg, getting to see kind of that that opposite end of it where Janeway's a little bit more, well, how are we going to fix this? There's got to be something we can do. I mean, even with, in the past, Janeway has said, um, well, well, let's try to get, like when the Borg cube was deactivated, what, we just talked about that episode. Why can't I think of what it's called? Um, With the new collective? Yes, yes. Yeah, Um, Unity. Where she says, you know, let's go on. Let's find out their technology. Let's find something to destroy them. And everyone's kind of like, hold up a sec. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. But with Janeway, she's really like, what are her other options at this point? Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you guys this before we get to Camp Kittimer's results, Bill. Is this the episode where they're going through kind of like a nebula and all of a sudden – 
there are Borg ships coming at them, and Janeway yells for Tom, and he like does a nosedive to miss the cube. Is that from this episode? I don't remember. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to double check because that's another great moment. And I, if it is, it's because they're running from eight four seven two. I I can't remember, but um, still, nothing beats that opening teaser, like like we've talked about. Great, thanks for that, Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you bring so much to uh, to the show. Uh, in these moments, it's uh, it really just brings a tear to my eye and a song to my heart. Um, so Scorpion holds the distinction of being the third unanimous vote of the season from Camp Kittimer. If memory serves, this is the the only other season finale to be unanimous. I think was the best of both worlds, part one. The actually the season three finale of Next Gen. So a uh, kind of an interesting coincidence there, but one hundred uh, percent as far as really? Camp Kittimer. Hundy, yeah, you give I me said crap I'm, whenever I say that. Now you're doing. I it. never give you crap when you say that because you don't. You say things that are far dumber. Oh dear. <laughs> See, oh dear, Ali good. is this beacon of positivity, <laughs> and then you and I are just a couple of schmucks who talk about Star yeah. Trek. Well, and uh, we're low end. You know? I, yeah, we're low end podcasters. What can no. I say? But uh, so there we are. Um, wow, we have concluded season three of Star Trek Voyager. Um, Ali, how, how's your first experience in theater? Skip it, feel you okay? You, you need a breather? I mean, you need counseling? <laughs> no. No, I'm good. Uh, one thing that that's interesting, I, I love how it's great when you guys agree, but it's also great when you guys disagree. And I found a lot of that with um, I'm having my husband watch through Star Trek with me and oh, he's nice. not enjoying some of the episodes that I love. And um, yeah. of course, I'm going to sit down and explain to him. I mean, I'm not going to force him to love it, but I'm going to go through a thesis of why I love it and why I think it's great. So yeah. is that before or after he sleeps on the sofa? <laughs> you can ask him. I don't know. <laughs> well, let me give you the percentages on the season. Uh, Dan, you were at 19 out of 26 for 73.08% on season three. Wow. Allie, you tied Dan for the exact same score, 19 um, out of 26. All that disagreeing before didn't matter, did it? It didn't matter because in the end, it all worked out. As usual... I sort of bring up the rear with 17 out of 26. Uh, Dan, our roles from last year are literally flip-flopped from last season. Yeah. Um, and I hit uh, 17 to 26 for 65.38%. So I came in just a, a little lower. It's interesting to see that change between seasons two and three. It's also interesting to see how I have grown to love Voyager over the seasons because when season one came out, I only gave it seven out of 16, 16. for 43.5% or something like that. Yeah. And to, that's quite a jump in two seasons to almost uh, three quarters of the episode. So I can't wait to see what happens in season four. This is the first Vo Voyager season where actually you have rated more episodes see it than I have. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, it's, uh, it's really fascinating. Allie, we thank you so much for joining us um, from the future. It's uh, we are so awesome, to, you know. To it's so great that we could have a time lord stop by the show. We just we love the fact yes. that that you were able to just stop long enough before you zip off to your next uh, world saving endeavor. Um, but uh, no, honestly, in all sincerity, we love having you on the show. We think you're the best. Um, we love the positivity you bring to Trek fandom, and it's part of the reason why we love you and why you're part of Trek geeks and always will be. So, how can folks? find you and your Towel Talk Tuesdays and everything else you do online. 
I knew you were going to bring up Tile Talk Tuesday. Everyone always does. How could I not? <laughs> it's it's the weirdest idea I think I've ever had. But I can be found in a variety of places. Most most commonly on Twitter, which my handle is at ttrucky. I have that same handle on Instagram. You can also, if you look up that handle on Facebook, it'll take you to my Facebook page. I have a website which is currently under construction, so there's not a whole lot on it right now, but it's um, ttrucky, t and then trekkie.wordpress.com. Uh, I am so fortunate and so blessed to be a part of Trek Geeks. Um, there are good things coming. Uh, we've been... We've been prepping for some stuff for a while, and um, my my dear friend Shashanka Varu from Politrex has been way more than patient with me, and so now I gotta hold up my end of the bargain on this. So um, good things are coming. Uh, you'll hear more about that soon, and then uh, also some really exciting things with Tal Talk Tuesday have been happening. I've been on hiatus for a while, but I I figure in this time, what better time to to share the Tal Talk Tuesday love? So I do this strange talk show on Tuesdays where I put a towel wrap on my head and I talk about Star Trek and life and really anything that comes to my mind. And it's like it's like shower thoughts, kind of like a reverse version because yeah. I'm not in the shower. I'm sorry, I'm not going to take I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. So don't even ask. I know you guys wouldn't, but you'd be surprised at some of the stuff I get. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun. And I talk about Star Trek sometimes, and uh, you can find that on mostly Twitter, but I'm going to try to stream to some other channels, too. So thanks for letting me be here. It was so great. It, what ab- an honor to have you here. Absolutely our joy, our best uh, to you and your husband all the way out there. We, we wish you guys uh, stay safe and stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thanks. I'll send a postcard from the Daystrom Institute. Nice. Yes, I was going to ask if construction had started yet. <laughs> Well, Dan, it was amazing, as always, to have Allie here with us, as always. I feel like she's been with us so many times, but in reality, uh, she was so fantastic on the show that uh, it just, it seems that familiar. What a a great time we had doing Theater Skip It, and uh, I look forward to her coming back sometime soon. Absolutely. She was a joy. uh, we we stumped her a couple times. She didn't even know what to say with some of the some of the things we said to each other. But we had so much fun, and she it looked like she was having a blast. And that's what the important thing is. Plus, with all of the things that we disagreed on throughout the entire conversation, we had the same amount of likes or or see it's, which I found very interesting. So we did better than you, Bill. Uh, some people's heads are going to explode this week. <laughs> that, that I know for yes. a fact. Yes, Dan, my head explodes when I think of how much I love Five Year Mission. They, of course, uh, the amazing band that does uh, one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Of course, these songs aren't parody. They're not, uh, they're not, you know, chiding or making fun of these Star Trek episodes. They are legit compositions that help you see these episodes in a different way, which is really why I love their music so much. Uh, we want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get all of their CDs. Really just get them all, put them in your cart. Get them in your hot little hands, put them in your CD player and hit play, and we guarantee you're going to become a huge fan. Plus, check out their podcast here on the Trek Geeks Network, interestingly enough, called Five Year Mission. Um, I guarantee there's going to be some conversations there you're going to love, and the guys are, well, as you might imagine, are pretty funny, Dan. They are pretty funny. I love them. I love their music. I love their podcast. I love their podcast title. The title is just like like none other ever. It's just great. So nice job on that one. Um, you know what else I like, Bill? Is my is my rewatch that I'm your doing. face? <laughs> oh God, that goes without saying. Um, this one, 
Bill, really, in all honesty, though, was an event like no other. One of the most recognized characters of all time returned to the Star Trek universe. People thought this legendary drummer had defected to Romulus, but nothing could have been farther from the truth or further from the truth. I'm really not sure which way you say that. Uh, Further. Thank you. He went there to help bring peace to the entire quadrant. His mission, Bill, was to unite the Vulcans and Romulans to appreciate the same kind of music. It is the epic TNG two-parter, Unifarkation. <laughs> I'm just going to drop the mic and walk away. I wish you'd just walk away. Um, <laughs> I actually thought that was funny. That was actually pretty good. I can't believe I haven't used that one before. Um, that's two out of how many hundred? Oh, I don't know. Two hundred. Two hundred or so. <laughs> um, so you're at a at a 1% rate in which of, of these ones that I like. Um, but I, I hope that you don't uh, you know, take that to mean you should get lazy. You should work at least this hard on think, next or the one for the next episode. I think I can do that. I doubt you can do that, but I we'll see what really happens. I really think I can do that. <laughs> that's fiveyearmission.net. Please support the band. Get all their music because we guarantee you're going to love it. Of course, we want to remind everyone that you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network via Patreon. There you can see the new designs for both our annual supporters pin and our annual t-shirt for 2020, as well as get unedited audio of all of our podcasts, along with some additional perks, Dan. Absolutely. And right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they include Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack. Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, Jamie McGregor, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. You can't get that close to the mic. <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shasky, Charlie Mulvey. Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, Kyle Castillo, <sighs> William uh, Edward M., Chaz Bradshaw, and of course, the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network. It's so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today for all the details. Dan, next week, well, we're going to take a break for the holiday weekend and observance of Memorial Day here in the United States. But in two weeks, we'll be back, as Paul Harvey might have said, with the rest of the story. I loved Paul Harvey. I did, too. Yeah. Yeah, we sure will. If you remember, it was about three years ago that we had our epic 100th episode A Journey to Futures Past, Part 1, where we told the story of our journey to the sets of Star Trek Continues. We never actually got around to telling the second part of that story, and that was something we felt generally bad about. So in two weeks, we're going to bring you the audio from that second day of the trip. It's lost audio from Kingsland in two weeks' time on the flagship of the podcast network for your fandom. Yeah, we had hoped to actually do a, a produced audio documentary second episode and then things like Star Trek Discovery and producing a podcast network and everything else tended to get in the way of that large project. So it's it was kind of the unfinished business we had going on, and we're going to wrap that up in two weeks here on Trek Geeks. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. 
You can find them all, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 219 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Cry coconut, and let's slip the docks of war. I'd give real money if you just shut up. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong. You okay? Oh, I ache everywhere. Bing bong, bing bong. Bing I, thought that, I thought the gym was going to kill me. It was a tough one, wasn't it? I had to tap out. Ooh. I couldn't. I had tapped so you, out in the oh, middle of the last round. You didn't do the challenger? No. Yeesh. That's where my scary picture came from. Every yeah. picture of you is a scary <laughs> picture. I walked right into that rake. <laughs> Toying. <laughs> yeah, the challenger was, ooh, it was tough. Tough, tough, tough. I uh, I just, I reached a point where I I could not physically do any more squats. Like I was falling down. There's a lot of them. And, it's, and especially, do you substitute squats for something? Certain I do. Yeah. 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 I was, I'm doing that a lot for shoulder stuff because of my shoulder. So I'll tell you, if I have to do one more elbow touch, I'm probably going to break my own elbow. I'll break your elbow for you. <laughs> I'd be very happy to do that. Wow. Okay. That's very nice. I, I actually was at the gym the other day. Yes, I, I, went I heard. In a, to the gym and it was great to see. I did social distance, but I saw some of the coaches and it was great to see them. They miss everybody. Uh, and it'll be great to get back there someday. <laughs> they had to tell you that because you were there. No? I was going to say something they miss everybody but Bill, but I decided not to do that. But then you have to go around and insult me. I knew you were thinking. That's the thing. <laughs> you can see it in my eye. I had a twinkle. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to go in for the kill. No, I'm not. No, I'm going to be nice. I'll let Bill do it instead. <laughs> I said there's there's two kinds of people on this show, quick and hurt. <laughs> What's the name of the movie with Sharon Stone, The Quick? Quick and the Dead. Quick and the Dead. great movie. Is, I've never seen it. It is, some people go, it, oh, it's just so stupid, but it is, you have to evaluate it for what it is. It's a, it, I think it's a Sam Raimi film. Uh, oh, see, okay. I'm going to IMDb this really While quick. While you're IMDbing it, I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, you say it's great. Did you see Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood? Uh, ages ago, yeah. Did you like that? I love it. It's a great okay. movie. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. This is different because you get Gene Hackman just mm-hmm. chewing scenery. Okay. He is a sadistic bad, bad man. And he, the whole control he holds over this town is just gross. Oh, okay. And Sharon Stone's character is is different for the time, but yeah, female gunfighter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, if you take the movie for what it is, it actually is a really great statement. Okay. And visually, it's beautiful. All right. I will check it out then. There you go. You get a young uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie. 
Oh, wow. You get uh, Tobin Bell, who was in Saw. You get Kevin Conway, who was Kalish in Next Kalish. Generation. Yeah. You get, obviously, Sharon Stone. Russell Crowe is in it. Oh, my goodness. Lance Henriksen, Pat Hingle, oh, Gary Sinise. Gonna, oh, I thought you were going to say Lance Reddick. I would have stopped recording no. right now and gone downstairs. Mark Boone Jr. from Sons of Anarchy. There's oh, a cool. whole bunch of people in this movie All right. that are just uh, that are great and people you don't expect to see there. So um, it, it's... Uh, I think it's 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 definitely one I love. Right. Uh, the lighting, the cinematography, I think is fantastic. Is it as good as Dumb and Dumber Part Two? <laughs> Nothing is as good as Dumb and Dumber Part Two. Man. <laughs> Very good. That was nice. <laughs> oh, and, and Keith David. I, I I don't know how I skipped over his name in the credits. That's all right. Probably because you weren't reading it. I was reading it. I just was scrolling at the same time. Oh, I see. You're such an idiot. Yeah, but you know what? It makes it fun, doesn't it? Exactly? Wait till you hear my farkism this week. <laughs> Great. It's going to be awesome. By the time people are listening to this outtake, they will have already heard it. But They will. Yeah. They will. So will I. Yeah. Still. Anyway. I, I look forward to it with great joy. <laughs> Anticipation. See what I did there? I, I like that. That was very good. And as I was uh, getting ready to come up here and record tonight, before we flipped on Big Bang Theory, I was flipping through the stations, and Star Trek the Motion Picture was on one of the Epics channels. I could just, I could just like sit and listen to that music for hours. It was, and it was the boring part where they're just going through V'ger, and all you see is how small the ship is and the music plays. So basically, an hour and a half of the movie. I'm just wondering how much more you can hold your ice, your ice cubes next to the friggin' microphone. I want people to know why I'm drinking. I was watching the boring part of Star Trek motion picture. There is no boring part of Star no, Trek. No, there really is, not it's all wonderful. I got to say, they all like to wear their uniform shirts open. McCoy's got a whole like going out there with his chest got a hair. Forest, yeah, <laughs> to Forest Kelly. I know, right? That's it, right? Know. That's what that I'm going Very for. good. Yeah. Anyway, so we just <laughs> broke the news to patrons mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on the segment that that. Uh, regular, our regular listeners don't get to hear that uh, we've decided we are not attending Las Vegas this year if, in fact, Star Trek Las Vegas is still held. Yep. And it's sad. a bummer. Where I'm, I'm incredibly sad. Yep. But um, as we talked about, it is the right thing to do in both of our minds uh, mm-hmm, with everything absolutely. going on. And as I also said, it will make 2021 all that much more enjoyable. And we will love it tenfold next year i have a responsibility to my family and as you do yours to stay healthy and we can't necessarily guarantee that by going to a place that um where people may not have that foremost on their mind right And, and we've seen that already where that's not always the case and um i just think it will i i personally hope that some at some point in the near future whether it's creation whether it's the rio Cancels it. I don't want it to be there where barely anybody shows up. It's a complete money drain for creation and it causes problems going forward. I'd rather it get canceled. They get their insurance money, however they need to do it. And 2021 is a huge, tremendous bash that we all can go to and have a great time. I think we're going to have to throw the the biggest party we've ever seen. Mm. Um, Simply just to uh, make up for the year we didn't get to have. Almost like two parties in one. Right. Fan, fan, um, geek geeks. Party, party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually kind of like that. Fan, fan, geek geeks, party, party. <laughs> so oh, we'll I just call it party, party. Uh, there you go. 
Fan Geeks Party squared. <laughs> no. You had me up until the stupid Sheldon laugh. <laughs> well, that was a snort. That wasn't a Sheldon laugh. It it was pretty close. It's hard to a, dis- it's hard to discern the difference. How about a Sheldon snort? What does that sound like? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious me. Hey yeah. dude, Cedar skipping season three. Come on, man. What a load of fun. Can I just say uh Allie Martinez is oh. probably one of the genuine nicest humans on this planet. Yeah. Um it's so so nice of her to to uh to record with us. Uh, we absolutely adore her. She is wonderful. Yep. She's one of the most positive people in all of Star Trek fandom. Uh if you're not following her on social media, you absolutely should. Um because we think she's just she's amazing. She is the next generation of this fandom and I I think that with people like her fandom is in great hands. Yeah, you said it. And I think everybody on the planet does follow her because she'll put a tweet out and I'll check it like 30 seconds later and she's already got like 575 likes or something like that. It's like, what? I had three on my last one. So I I don't know. But you're absolutely right. She's fantastic. And I I think she was like, we were doing our normal spiel during the conversation and she's like, her jaw's dropping and she's putting her hands on her ears as we're doing our thing. We had a great time. We love her to death. And uh, I can't believe it. It it was only last year when I first met her, or the, uh, two years ago two years in ago. Vegas. Yeah, two yeah. years ago. Wow, it's amazing. And she's uh, way yeah. over across the pond now. The other pond. Yeah, I was gonna say the <laughs> other pond, the Pacific pond. Right. Know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, this means you're not going to DST either, right? Now that we're, we're let me loop back I, to conventions. We canceled that. Uh, Right at the beginning of this whole thing. I think gotcha. we canceled it and we didn't actually make any reservations for anything yet. We just knew that we were going to. We had set gotcha. up things with my cousin, uh, my nephew who's out there, but we decided, no, not doing any of it. So there are no conventions in the foreseeable future. The only thing I have looked forward to right now is um, Trek Geeks Live in Concord, New Hampshire assuming in October. It, assuming it's it right that it happens, we're going to proceed as though it is. Yeah. And uh, Sue and I were driving last weekend with the dogs, and we went through Concord and drove right by it. I was like, oh, that's where we're going to do our thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a cool. great little venue, Looks, 300 it's, seats. It's very nice. Yeah, it does. We should, I was going to say, we should go up there and take a tour one of these days, but that's probably not the best idea. Not right now, no. No. <laughs> so um, are you ready to to do the see it or skip it thing? Always ready to do see it or skip it, man. Always ready. Oh, that's a first time for everything. I know. You'll be surprised. Yeah, I can't even wait. Here we go. <laughs> 